This is the Spatial Navigator podcast brought to you by Nanostring. Here at Nanostring, we believe that spatial genomics is at the forefront of discovery and translational biology research. We present the work that researchers are doing in the field and share our initiatives to engage and support them. Today, I have Elizabeth Schneider. She is a senior global marketing manager and has been working on our portfolio beyond the core of oncology and delving into neuroscience, immunology, and infectious diseases. Elizabeth, thank you for joining the podcast. I was recently notified on LinkedIn that you celebrated five years of working in Nanostring. Could I ask how the company has changed across that time? Wow, that's a great question, Jonathan. Um, So Nanostring has definitely changed a lot in the five years since I've joined. Um, You know, when I first joined Nanostring in 2017, I actually initially was a regional account manager covering Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, selling the Encounter and soon to be at that time, Geomix digital spatial profiling platform. And at that time, there were a small enough group of salespeople globally and application scientists globally that I knew the name and territory of every single salesperson and application scientist globally. And now we have expanded the number of positions that we've had for sales as well as application scientists, technical support, field service engineers. And we've added more people to help with um, regional marketing as well as you know our distributors in other countries. And I really can no longer remember each individual person by name and what region or territory they work in. And for me, this is sort of sad because I I usually have a very good memory for names. And so for a person like me who has a memory, I think like an elephant, um, you know, to not remember people's names means that the company has really, really grown and expanded in the last five years. But there are some, there are, I would add to, there are a lot of other ways the company has changed. You know, we've gone from a one platform company with the encounter analysis system, which is what Nanostring was founded on. It was the basis of Nanostring to a two-platform company with Geomics Digital Spatial Profiler, which came out in 2019. And that was technology that was developed in-house. You know, the idea for the technology of a collaborative effort, um, you know, between um, ourselves at Nanostring and some other customers of ours, But it was technology that was developed in-house, and actually it turned out to be sort of the start of the spatial biology revolution. And, you know, unbeknownst to us, we sort of, you know, stumbled on it in, you know, in a positive and opportunistic way. And it really put us on the map in terms of comparing us to other companies such as, you know, 10X Genomics and Illumina. And then, you know, we are getting ready to launch our third platform later this year, which is the Cosmic Spatial Molecular Imager. And that is really exciting too, because that instrument and technology is again, built on something that we developed in-house, which was initially our hybrid-seq chemistry for um, hybridization-based next-generation sequencing. And we were able to morph it and adapt it to actually doing um, expression profiling of both transcripts and protein in individual single cells in FFPE as well as fresh frozen tissues. And so Nanostring has 
really changed and grown in leaps and bounds, you know, since I joined. So it's not just, you know, the expansion in the number of people, but it's the expansion in the number of platforms and the types of experiments that we can do. So it's a really exciting time to be a nano stringer. I can fully agree with you on that. Uh, because when I was interviewing for it, like the entire time I was just nerding out at the tech, um, just telling myself, wow, this is, this is quite something. And then just imagining all the different possibilities that, that can come out of that. Um, so if you don't mind me asking, I understand that you were RAM before, but what do you currently do at Nanostream? That's another great question, Jonathan. Um, so I have an interesting career path getting to Nanostring. Um, to give you a bit of a background, um, I actually have a PhD in bioengineering, and I've always been interested more in the biological side of science. And I ended up being a technical salesperson right out of graduate school. And I worked for another company before I worked for Nanostring. And I was really fortunate to be able to join Nanostring in 2017, January 2017, since I'm coming up on my five-year anniversary. Um, and then I noticed while I was at Nanostring and even before when I was at the previous company I worked for, that I really enjoyed coming up with promotional campaigns, um, messaging, um, creative strategies to, you know, generate more demand for products, to reach more customers. I also love to write. And I also was really prolific on LinkedIn. I'm actually still very prolific on LinkedIn. In fact, I just crossed 5,000 connections um, over the holidays. And at the time when I was the account manager for Seattle and Pacific Northwest, I was constantly posting content on LinkedIn, content that was relevant for our products, but content that was relevant just for science in general and news related to science and current events. And this, I believe, was kind of noticed within the company, and I was given the opportunity to apply for a couple of um, marketing positions that opened up in the summer of 2018. And so I, you know, went for it and was able to transition into marketing and given that opportunity, which, by the way, is another reason why I love working at Nanostring. And I think Nanostring is a really great company. Um, you know, it's not just the fact that we develop great products that are really useful for our customers to do better biology, but it's also a company that really gives you a lot of opportunity to grow internally. And so that's what I was able to do. I moved over to the marketing team in August of 2018. And at the time, I was just tasked with doing um, marketing activities, managing marketing activities for the Encounter instrument in oncology and immunology. And since then, I've transitioned over to doing the marketing activities at a global level for our immunology and neuroscience reagents and assays across both the Encounter and Geomics instrumentation lines. And on a day-to-day -day basis, my title, official title, is Senior Global Marketing Manager. And I manage a lot of different things. So I manage, you know, the product launches that we have for products that are in the immunology and neuroscience space, both on Encounter and the geomics side. Um, you know, I, I create content, things like, you know, product brochures, product bulletins, content on our website, things like digital ads. I also work with our customers to get them to present webinars, virtual events, present at conferences, 
And then I also work to create different um, promotions. And one of the promotions that we do a lot at NanoString is our grant programs, which you'll, I think, hear a little bit more about later in today's podcast. So one of the highlights of my last five years being at NanoString is actually being able to bring something that happened in my personal life into the workplace and be able to contribute to the workplace and to the marketing program at NanoString in a really meaningful way. So back at the beginning of the pandemic in February of 2020, I had gone to a house party here in Seattle. This was before you know, the coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 was a pandemic in the United States. There were a few cases in the Seattle area. In fact, Seattle was kind of the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic in the United States. I went to a house party and three days later I fell sick and about 75% of the other people at the party also fell sick. And lo and behold, it turned out that we all had COVID. And um, to keep a long story short, I recovered just at home. I was fine. I wasn't hospitalized. I recovered. And I posted about my story on Facebook and it went viral. And I was all over the news, including um, a show that is uh, very popular in the United States called um, Frontline. It's put on by PBS, which is um, kind of the uh, equivalent of the BBC, but for the United States, you know, it's our public broadcasting system. And the uh, science correspondent for PBS NewsHour, who often does these documentaries for this frontline program, is a gentleman named Miles O'Brien. And so he always comes on for the PBS NewsHour, which is the national news, public national news in the United States, and does stories related to science and technology. And so he came to my house after I recovered from COVID-19 to interview me because I was the first person in the state of Washington to donate um, plasma for convalescent treatment for COVID-19 patients, and they wanted to follow my story. So I, you know, he interviewed me, they followed me to the uh, local blood bank where I donated plasma. Well, fast forward to 2021, last year, NanoString was doing a virtual event all about immunology. It was a virtual immunology conference called Advancing Science, a virtual immunology conference. We did it through the Labrids platform. And I was working with my colleagues in global marketing to come up with a bunch of different customers who were panelists to talk about infectious disease, as well as organ transplant, which were two pivotal areas of immunology that brings research solutions can really help. And we needed a moderator, um, someone who is, you know, very non-biased, someone who is good at um, talking to people and, and generating a discussion. And we needed a moderator for the infectious disease panel discussion. And I actually immediately thought of Miles O'Brien and because I had worked with him previously and he had interviewed me, I actually had his mobile number. So I reached out to him and asked him if he would participate and be a moderator. And he said yes. And he was so gracious of his time. He did it for free. And so we had someone who's the national science correspondent for United States PBS NewsHour, you know, moderating our panel discussion for this virtual conference. And so I thought that was 
really neat and one of the highlights of my last five years at NanoString. And it also shows you the power of networking and making connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It feels like it came one full circle. Um. Exactly, yes. <laughs> As Elizabeth mentioned, networking is extremely important and can open doors to opportunities and collaboration. I suppose now would be a great time to get you to follow or connect with us on LinkedIn so that you can hear everything new and upcoming with NanoString. Grants are also a way that we aim to advance science and give researchers that push to achieve their academic goals. Elizabeth, could you tell us a bit more about the grant opportunities that NanoString has? Sure. So we do offer a lot of grant opportunities for NanoString customers. And, you know, you don't even have to actually be a NanoString customer where you own an Encounter or Geomics. And at NanoString, we really believe in our mission of improving the human condition by providing scientists, um, medical doctors, MD, PhDs with tools to help unravel, you know, the causes of different diseases and how to develop treatments for them. And one of the ways that we can support this work, especially for researchers who may not have a lot of funding or who are just starting their labs, is through grants. And at NanoString, we offer grants um, not in the form of, you know, money, um, you know, that type of funding, but we offer grants in terms of, um, you know, free projects. And so, you know, we run grants typically whenever we have a product launch of a new product, and we want to let the research community know about this product and give them an opportunity to be some of the first people to run samples using this particular assay. So we typically run grants anywhere from two weeks to about a month or more than a month, and we'll solicit applications and researchers can go onto our website, um, follow links and emails or on social media posts and apply. And it's a simple application process. You put your contact info, the name of your project, um, a short abstract, 500 words or less. And oftentimes we ask, you know, what species you're going to work with. Um, we have a lot of our panels have um, mouse and human counterparts. And then there's a process where we go through the applications and we pick, you know, uh, finalists on the basis of the merit of the application, completeness of the application, and the uniqueness of the science. And we oftentimes will award and counter panels. Either they can be run through our proof of principle lab here at our headquarters in Seattle or at a local core lab facility at the institution that the applicant is located at or through a, you know, a contract research organization or CRO. Um, or on the geomics side, we can run um, geomics experiments through our technology access program that we have you know, here in Seattle. But we also do offer travel grants. And you know, because we're still in the midst of the pandemic, not many conferences are in person. Um, but in, in the tail end of last year, um, in 2021, we actually ran a travel grant for a conference that will be happening in Portland, Oregon later this year in the United States in May. Um, that's the annual meeting of the American Association for Immunologists, or AAI. 
Um, it's called Immunology 2022. And anyone who will be presenting, um, you know, a poster or a talk, you know, using um, that includes data taken from a nanostring, you know, technology is eligible to apply. And then we, based on, again, the merit of the uh, the abstract, the uniqueness, the completeness of the application, um, we award a number, in this case with this particular conference, um, five travel grants to help reimburse people to travel to the conference and present their work. And a nice thing that we also do is oftentimes at these conferences and events, we will organize a satellite activity, a social networking event where people who have been awarded these travel grants can come and display their posters and, you know, have some drinks and have some free food and talk to others in their field and network with their peers about their research. Um, and so this is, I think, something that's pretty unique to Nanostring is that we do these grants often. Um, and I think customers, you know, kind of expect it. And I oftentimes get a lot of emails from customers after we've closed a grant, but before we've selected winners, and they're very anxious to hear the results. Yeah, because it sounds like a huge opportunity to get your platform out there or get your research in front of in front of peers and um, I guess a very renowned community within within those respective fields. Uh, in this case, immunology. Um, earlier, I was going to segue from from your experience with COVID and, and the highlight that you had um, to ask, could you briefly go over the work that Nanostring has done in the field of infectious diseases? Because as far as I understand, uh, infectious diseases really was a pivot that Nanostring took um, in light of the pandemic. Yes, that's a great question. So actually, although in 2020 we did launch for Encounter, a host response panel um, that allows researchers to study elements of the host response to pathogens. Actually, before the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we have had, had many customers that were using Encounter for infectious disease research, and they were either using some of our human or mouse panels that allow you to study the immune response in general, we have our pan cancer immune profiling panel for human and mouse. Although it was developed to look at the immune response to cancer, it has a really broad coverage of the innate and adaptive immune system. So we had customers that were using that panel for infectious disease. We have a non-human primate immunology panel that was being used um, or that is being used and had been used to study um, the response of the immune system of non-human primates to infectious pathogens. And you know, then we also had custom code sets. So custom code sets originally was Nanostring's first foray into the expression analysis market. When the Encounter first came out in 2008, we didn't have these off-the-shelf curated content panels. And so with custom code sets, you can look at any gene and any organism. And you know, we've had um, researchers that have studied all kinds of different pathogens, ranging from fungi, candida albicans, um, to you know, bacteria, to viruses. And actually, interestingly enough, we even had published in 2019, before the pandemic even started, we had some customers that were looking at um, uh, studying um, cells taken from bats 
in in vitro culture, and they were looking at how the bat cells deal with the um, Marburg virus. Um, and I still remember in, in the latter part of 2019 coming across this paper and thinking it would be really cool to have the authors do a webinar presentation on their research on infectious disease in bats. And then lo and behold, you know, 2020 came around and the coronavirus, you know, was on the scene and some people still believe that it came from bats. And so, you know, it just goes to show that even before the pandemic, you know, we had quite a lot of nanostring customers who were studying infectious disease. And on the genomics front with spatial biology, we also did have some customers, you know, before the pandemic who were studying infectious disease. In fact, one of our customers, um, he's at the um, York University, Peter O'Toole. Um, he uses it to study, I think, a disease brought on by a parasite called leishmaniasis, which um, affects, um, you know, parts of um, the continent of Africa. And, you know, so we've had plenty of customers that were doing infectious disease research beforehand. But I think the pandemic has really shined a light and an intense focus on this area of research. And it caused us to mobilize and develop this host response panel. In addition to that, we also developed a panel plus spike in that allows you to spike in content um, for studying the coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 into any of our off the shelf panels. It's called the coronavirus panel plus. And initially when we launched it, um, we, um, did have a price tag on it, but we also allowed people to discount it um, so that, you know, researchers who were doing research on the coronavirus could easily access this panel plus. And it includes not only content for the genes of the viral genome of SARS-CoV-2, but also the first SARS virus, um, as well as other human coronaviruses. And then also with the advent of the whole transcriptome atlases that we have for genomics, for both human and mouse, it's really opened up, you know, what researchers can study in terms of infectious disease. Um, and then, you know, we have a whole breadth of different panels that we have for encounter that can be used for infectious disease beyond the host response panel and different aspects of infectious disease. And when you're looking at COVID-19, there's so many different things um, that are being looked at and being studied. You have people studying the effects of long COVID. There are, you know, potential neurological um, symptoms of long COVID. And we have, you know, a neuropathology panel. We have a neuroinflammation panel um, for scarring in the lung tissue, as well as other organs that are affected. Um, by COVID-19 disease, we have a fibrosis panel. Um, you know, if you're interested in, in looking at um, efficacy of vaccines, we have that pain cancer immune profiling panel that you can use. Or if you're interested in looking at sort of the um, mobilization of the innate immune system or chronic inflammation, we have a panel called the myeloid panel for setting in the immunity. Um, so, you know, we have a lot to offer at NanoString in terms of infectious disease researchers. And I think that um, the number of papers that have actually come out since the beginning of the pandemic by nanostring customers on COVID-19. Um, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I think it's definitely more than 25. It's sort of a testament um, to the fact that we you know, can um, provide our customers with a lot of tools to study um, infectious disease and COVID-19. 
Oh, I'd like to add one more thing to that is that actually there was a study that was recently published, I believe in Cell, and uh, it was researchers um, in uh, Germany, and they actually looked at whether or not SARS-CoV-2 infects olfactory neurons and whether or not that's responsible for this loss of smell or anosmia that a lot of people experience when they have COVID-19. And it was really interesting. They, with the Geomics Human Whole Transcriptome Atlas, they were actually able to, you know, visualize um, the olfactory bulb tissue from recently deceased COVID-19 patients through rapid autopsies. And they were actually able to show that it's not the olfactory neurons themselves that are infected by the virus, but it's the cells that support those neurons and are, are surrounding those neurons that are infected. And so that's really what causes the loss of smell. So, you know, I think there's been a lot of really great breakthroughs um, on the, you know, COVID-19 disease and SARS-CoV-2 that have been enabled using um, technologies developed at NanoStream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it's, sometimes we think of the illness as, as the focal point, but then it's also all the long-term effects that, that can come out of it that, that we still don't fully understand and thus the research continues, right? Um, mm -hmm. Shifting away from infectious diseases, um, what about, say, neuroscience? Could you give me an, a practical application that could potentially come uh, from the geomics in neuroscience? That's a great question. So, you know, neuroscience research and particularly research on diseases of the central nervous system, particularly the brain, um, you know, have always included imaging, you know, imaging of brain sections, whether it's brain sections that are taken from, you know, people who are, have passed away and have uh, supposedly had dementia or it's mouse models of, you know, neurodegenerative disorders. So imaging has really always been a part of studying diseases of the central nervous system, particularly when you look at things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, where you have the, um, you know, aberrant folding um, and aggregation of proteins and these, you know, um, amyloid beta plaques and, um, you know, um, phosphorylated tau neurofibrillary tangles that are causing, you know, this uh, degeneration of the tissue and the brain. Imaging is really important to see where these clumps of proteins are, what cells are surrounding them, how they're interacting or affecting the cells that are around them, how they recruit you know, the sort of immune cells of the CNS, like glial cells to that site, how they recruit peripheral immune cells. And, you know, neuroscientists are used to doing imaging. They do a lot of immunohistochemistry, you know, H&E stains. Um, they do um, immunofluorescence stains. And, you know, they are used to doing these methods, but they can really only look at a limited number of markers or limited plex at a single time. And so with geomics, it really opens up the number of markers, both on the RNA and protein side that they can look at at a given time from a given sample of tissue. And not only is this important because they want to get 
you know, um, a higher plex and look at more markers. But, you know, if particularly if you're thinking about human samples, samples from the brain are very few and far between, you know, it's not a sample that you're going to routinely give when you go to the doctor's office. So these, um, you know, institutes around the world that have these so-called brain banks that have a lot of archived, um, you know, formalin fixed paraffin embedded FFP brain tissue are storing a lot of potential information and having technologies like genomics that allow you to access potentially whole transcriptomic information from these small slices of tissue, particularly ones that are, you know, might be older, is really, really important. And in addition, you know, there's a lot of structure to the brain and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, areas of the brain that have different functions. And so having a platform like Geomics that allows you to precisely carve out with light the individual areas of the tissue that you want to study and individual cell populations is a really, um, you know, neat technology to have for, for neuroscientists. So, you know, I think the types of discoveries and breakthroughs that we're going to see from the neuroscience field using spatial biology, you know, with tools like Geomics, I think is going to increase over the next few years, particularly because the field of neuroscience is a little bit behind, say, oncology in terms of precision medicine and biomarker discovery and gene signature development and targeted therapies. And so I think I'm really excited to see what comes out of the neuroscience space with, you know, spatial biology and geomics. And I think a lot of neuroscientists out there are also really excited. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important that, that like our methods or rather the, the methods that are used on, on those uh, brain bank samples are, are reversible and not. Not destructive. Yeah, exactly. That, that they can be used again and again because like we mentioned, they are precious and um, rare. Something something that Elizabeth did last year that was quite exciting was the Young Investigator Brain Tank. Could you tell me a little bit more about how that went? Sure. So we had this idea for the last few years of doing a quote-unquote Shark Tank style event at Nanostring. And um, I hope that the show Shark Tank um, you know, it is in some form or fashion, you know, across different parts of the world outside the United States. But basically the premise of the show is that someone has an idea for a business, pitches this idea to a panel of, you know, savvy businessmen and women and potential investors who are the sharks. And um, these people get to decide and judge whether or not they want to invest in that particular idea. So we wanted to do something similar, um, but for researchers who are pitching potential projects using nanostring technologies. And so we came up with this idea instead of having it be called Shark Tank, because apparently it's copyrighted, and we decided to call it the Young, Inve Young Investigator Brain Tank. And the one that we did last year was the Neuroscience Edition, and we actually targeted targeted it to young investigators. So specifically for graduate students, um, for postdocs, and for um, principal investigators who are very early in their careers. And we felt like it was really important to support 
these researchers at the beginning of their career, um, they may not know as many people in their fields, they may not have as much access to funding, and they want to publish quickly and publish, you know, uh, prolifically so they can start, you know, getting more visibility in their fields and start, you know, getting potentially more grant money. So we actually did this last year and we solicited applications from all over the world. And we actually selected two finalists from each region, um, from the Americas, from um, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Asia Pacific. And then we actually had a, um, a live session where each finalist had 10 minutes to pitch their idea. And they had to propose an idea where they would use both the Encounter and Geomics platforms to solve a problem in neuroscience that they're studying. And then we actually had a panel of judges, our sharks, and this included actually um, six people. So it was three people internally at Nanostring um, in the R&D department. And then it was actually three external people from Nanostring, and these were actual Nanostring customers and actual professors that do research in neuroscience. So each finalist had 10 minutes to pitch their idea, and then the judges had 10 minutes to, to you know, ask questions. And at the end of the two hours that we had set aside for this live judging, um, with these finalists from all around the world, from places like, you know, Georgia to, um, you know, Switzerland to Australia, um, we conferred and picked, you know, one winner for each region. And that person um, is, or those three people that were the, the winners are now in discussions with our translational sciences team group here at Nanostring headquarters in Seattle to start getting their projects going. And they're, depending on what species they're looking at, human or mouse, they're going to use the Geomics Whole Transcriptome Atlas to profile their samples, as well as their choice of an encounter um, panel that is geared for neuroscience. Why do you think it's important for us to engage young investigators? I think it's it's important for several reasons. Um, number one, investing in the young investigators of today um, is investing in the key opinion leaders of tomorrow. So they're the next generation of scientists who are going to kind of carry the torch and who are going to, in the future, um, you know, make more discoveries, publish more, and inspire the next generation of scientists. Um, and number two, it's a great way to get the word out about, you know, um, Nanostring's technologies. Um, oftentimes, young investigators are the ones that are still themselves doing the work. And, you know, having technologies such as Geomics and Encounter that are, for the most part, automated and, um, you know, that are have a workflow that's, like, simple to understand and is very hands-off. Um, and gets you publishable data very quickly is really important for this particular um, demographic of researchers. Um, and so I think, you know, it's really great for them to be able to have access to a technology that allows them to get to get data quickly. Um, and then also too, you know, I think that Nanostring's mission is to, you know, improve the human condition so researchers out there who are, you know, studying different diseases, um, not just within humans, but within animals and plants as well, 
and animals and plants that are needed to sustain life on earth and to, you know, make things, you know, go smoothly in terms of, you know, humans being on this planet, I think is really important. And, you know, a lot of these researchers are doing um, really innovative things and they may not have the opportunity to get funded elsewhere. And so supporting these researchers through ministering and running uh, young investigator style um, grant programs, I think is really important. Yeah, that point about that young investigators of today are key opinion leaders of tomorrow. It, it reminds me of something that I've heard a lot about in chess, like the grandmasters of today stand on the shoulders of, of those who came before them, studying their games, studying their tactics, and then using those to develop new tactics and push the boundary forward. If a researcher would like to know more about the upcoming grants uh, or, or be notified, uh, where can they go to? So you can definitely subscribe to our mailing list. Um, if you fill out the contact us form on our webpage, it'll be added to our mailing list. And if you tell us what research area you focus on, um, then you will get emails specifically related to that research area. Um, you can also be sure to follow the Nanostring uh, social media accounts um, across Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Twitter. I think we recently got an Instagram. Um, we post a lot of info about our grants there as well. And one last question, Elizabeth. You've been with Nanostring for five years. Where do you see it heading in the next five? You know, I am really optimistic about the future of Nanostring. I would love for Nanostring to become a powerhouse in the field of spatial biology. And I would love for Nanostring to, you know, grow to a large company and have a similar success story to say Illumina. And I think a lot of the people who are at Nanostring feel very much the same way. And we really believe in the technology and we really believe in the people who are behind the technologies that we have developed at Nanostring. And so I think the future is really, really bright for Nanostring, um, particularly because, like I said, we're rapidly becoming a three-platform company. Um, we've already got a foothold in the burgeoning field of spatial biology with geomics. And then we'll, we will be launching um, later this year the Cosmic Spatial Molecular Imager, which will bring the field of spatial biology down to the single cell level. Um, and so I think the, the future of Nanostring is really bright. And I personally have found a professional and scientific home at Nanostring, and I could easily see myself spending another five years here and seeing what happens next for Nanostring. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spatial Navigator podcast brought to you by Nanostring. If you would like to know more about Nanostring's product and panel offerings, or speak to a member of our staff, please visit nanostring.com. You may also get in touch with us through LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. The links to which are in the description. Why do you think it's important that we engage young investigators?